Well, amen, amen. Thank you for all who are joining us online. Now, I know some of you may still be worried about what's happening around us, around the world, as we respond to the coronavirus. Some of you may even be glued to the news stations or radio stations to keep up with the updates, and that it's very important, but especially when it comes to the measures that we are asked or ordered to take. We know that we are asked to regularly wash our hands, to keep at least a six-foot distance from each other, no mass gatherings, no sporting events, no concerts. For many, the response has been social distancing. But for some, it's also created gospel distancing. Gospel distancing has caused folks to leave behind or separate themselves from the spiritual teachings they have received in the past. The promises of God have been placed on the back burner or out of sight altogether, and this should not be. That's why it's important to keep a close relationship with God when there are peaceful times. That way we know how to respond when there are times of trials and tribulations as times like these. Nowadays, words like pandemic, panic, worry, fear, or uncertainty may have taken over our vocabulary. But we need to continue to use the words like faith, hope, and love. Don't just say them, respond with them. We should also remember those verses that kept us going through our difficult times in the past. For example, in 1 John 4.18, it says, Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. Only the Almighty God can provide such love for anyone willing to receive it. Or how about the words of the Psalm 23, that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We cannot, remember, we cannot lose out on those teachings from the past. Now, as I mentioned, I'm so glad that you have joined us today. But how many people don't understand the significance of worship? Especially as we're coming at you through our online worship experience, some people will even say, that's weird. I've never heard of such a thing that people can be in their pajamas and spend an hour or so in front of their device, whether it be a smartphone, a laptop, a computer, or on TV, to have a worship experience. Now, in fact, if you are able and willing, take a moment to share in the comments below. Why do you believe it is significant for us to worship? Again, why do you believe it is significant for us to worship? I'd love to be able to hear from you. So I know that we are responding to social distancing at this moment, and let us fight off the gospel distancing by going back to the word. Now let me ask you, and please be honest with your answer. With everything else that's going on, have you forgotten that we are in the Lenten season? Lent is meant to be a time of reflection and repentance from Ash Wednesday leading up to Easter. 
Now, I've seen in some posts on Facebook, for example, a, a, a quote that said, I hadn't planned on giving up quite this much for Lent. Now, while we are home with family and friends, or maybe on our own, what are we doing to reflect and repent? I would like us to refocus our sermon series that we selected during the Lenten season. Let's return to our attention and to what we can learn from the last 24 hours of Jesus' life leading up to the cross. Now, planning seven weeks of messages requires a verse that keeps everything together, and that's called the anchor verse. The anchor verse for this series is found in Romans 5, verse 8, where it says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So today, we will look at what happened when Jesus was brought to trial. I'm going to invite you to please open up your Bible to the book of Matthew, chapter 27. I'll be reading from verses 11 through 26. I'm reading from the NLT version, so if you have your own Bible, it may be a different translation, or your device, you know, again, I'm reading from the NLT, New Living Translation. The Bible says this, beginning on verse 11. Now Jesus was standing before Pilate, the Roman governor. Are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked him. Jesus replied, you have said it. But when the leading priests and the elders made their accusations against him, Jesus remained silent. Don't you hear all these charges they are bringing against you, Pilate demanded? But Jesus made no response to any of the charges, much to the governor's surprise. Now, it was the governor's custom each year during Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd, anyone they wanted. This year, there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. As the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, which one of you do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? Now, he knew very well the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. Just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him this message, leave that innocent man alone. I suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. And meanwhile, the leading priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. So the governor asked again, which of these two do you want me to release to you? The crowd shouted back, Barabbas! And Pilate responded, then what should I do with the Jesus who is called the Messiah? They shouted back, crucify him! Why, Pilate demanded, what crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere and that a riot was developing, so he sent out a bowl of water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. And all the people yelled back, we will take responsibility for his death, we and our children. So Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. 
then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. Now, ladies and gentlemen, in this story, there are several parts to preach from, but I want to focus on three of them today. The first one is Pilate, then Barabbas, and a brief moment regarding the crowd. Let's start with Pilate. Pilate was a Roman leader who was appointed by Caesar, was responsible for his sector, and to answer to Rome with whatever was happening. It was the governor's traditional decision that every year during the Passover celebration that he will release a prisoner, as we just read. In this case, it was between Jesus the Messiah and a prisoner by the name of Barabbas. Now, you're probably saying, who was Barabbas? I'll share with you in a moment about him. Well, let me go back to the scripture that was just read. In verse 14, Pilate was surprised that Jesus did not respond to his questions or to the accusations being brought against him by the chief priests and the elders. In verse 18, it shows that Pilate knew the motives for this trial, and that motive was envy. Well, envy is a powerful tool that can lead to destruction. In verse 19, we read that Pilate was warned by his wife. She proclaims Jesus to be an innocent man. Many times the crowd is not right. Pilate's big mistake was to let the crowd make the decision. And some even believe that the biggest mistake that he made was not listening to his wife. In verse 23, Pilate admits that Jesus had not committed any crime. Pilate's greatest concern was his reputation, and to have an uprising or riot would not look good. So what does he do? He washes his hands, both literally and figuratively. He pushes the blame on others. His blood is not on my hands. You are responsible, he replies. So we see that the end result, Pilate released Barabbas and condemned Jesus. Now for a brief moment in history, we are introduced to a prisoner by the name of Barabbas, whose name was also Jesus but obviously his tactics were different than that of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 27, verse 16 that we read, Barabbas is called a notorious prisoner. In Mark 15, 7, and Luke 23, verse 19, he was in prison with the rebels who had committed murder during the insurrection against the occupying Roman forces. John 18.40 describes him as a bandit. The name Barabbas appears nowhere else in the New Testament, nor do any of the gospel give any information about his previous and subsequent uh, life. The name may be Aramaic meaning son of the father, Bar Abba, or son of the teacher, Bar Rabban indicating perhaps his father was a Jewish leader. What we see here, ladies and gentlemen, is that Barabbas receives grace. In his book, 
The 24 hours that changed the world, Reverend Adam Hamilton wrote that in Mel Gibson's film, The Passion of the Christ, that scene where as Barabbas was released, he looked back upon Jesus and a momentary look of understanding crossed his face. For an instant, Barabbas seemed to comprehend that this innocent man would be nailed to the cross in his place. Barabbas would be the first sinner for whom Jesus died. This is one small picture of the work of the atonement. Jesus performed with this death. For we, like Barabbas, have been spared with Jesus suffering the punishment we deserve. The substitutionary theory of atonement can be summarized in this way. Every one of us has sinned, and in our sin we have been alienated from God. Jesus calls for punishment excuse me, justice calls for punishment for the collective weight of sin. The Bible tells us in Romans 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. But God who loves us like parents love their children does not desire us to be eternally separated. God wishes us to receive grace. An ordinary person could not die for all humankind, but Jesus, can you say Jesus? Being God in the flesh could die for the sins of the entire world. He paid a price he did not owe, giving us a gift of grace we did not deserve. This is what the, uh, that we see in Barabbas walking away free from prison and Jesus hanging on a cross. Whether we like it or not, we are like Barabbas, full of sin and disobedience. We may not have physically murdered anyone, but we are reminded in 1 John 3, 15, where it says, anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. We should all have been crucified. It should have been us, but Jesus took our place. We really have no idea how Barabbas reacted to the grace that he was given. But we, you and me, we have a choice. Will we be grateful or arrogant? We know Jesus pardoned us. Jesus took our place on the cross. He died for us. How do we respond? Well, we have a decision to make today. We can be like Pilate, washing our hands from any of this. We can blame others, submit to the crowd, submit to the peer pressures, and avoid any responsibility. Now, earlier we heard that, that uh, Pilate was appointed to his position by Caesar. 
but God appoints us to a position as well, a position to do good, a position of appreciation. We are to follow Christ and submit ourselves to him. We have the power right now to be the church under the guidance of the precious Holy Spirit, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the midst of a world that is going through uncertain times. We are to be the light of the world in the midst of darkness, so therefore let the church shine. Last but not least, let me, uh, let me briefly say something about the crowd, ladies and gentlemen. In verse 20 that I read earlier, the Bible tells us that meanwhile, the leading priests and the elders persuaded the crowd. They persuaded the crowd to release Barabbas instead of Jesus. They persuaded the crowd to say, crucify him. Now if I as a senior pastor and spiritual leader to many of you, have the power to persuade you to do something, let it be to love God and love your neighbor. Now, while many activities in our daily lives have been interrupted, as we respond to the coronavirus, the COVID-19, here are a few things to keep in mind. Kindness, not canceled. Friendships, not canceled. Faith, not canceled. Love, not canceled. Hope, not canceled. Can I get an amen to that? The next song the worship band will lead us is called Living Hope. And here are the words of the song and be blessed by it. And I'll come back to wrap things up.
that sealed the promise your buried body began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me the candle morning that sealed the promise your buried Christ, our living hope. Ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus was on trial, no one knew what was going to happen and what was going to lie ahead. The same Jesus who several hours before the trial found himself in the garden of Gethsemane praying to God the Father to take this cup away from him, but not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus knew what was going to happen. Sometimes I wonder if his silence at his trial was because he was no longer going to say what was going to happen. He was going to show it. To show his ultimate sacrifice and unconditional love for you and for me by taking our place at the cross. If you're tuning in today and you are desiring and have this, this heart, you're racing through your life that you're saying, I want to be part of Jesus' life. I want Jesus to come into my life. And for those of you who are learning, who, who are uh, online and have straight away given that gospel distancing, if you want to be able to say, God, I'm so sorry for doing that. I want to make sure I want to recommit myself to you. I want to pray for you at this very moment. For those of you who want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to know that you've done everything else in life and that you still feel empty. That void can only be filled by the promises 
and presence of the Almighty God. So pray this with me, God. I've heard today that you took the place for me at the cross. The suffering that you endured for me. I've tried everything else, but I still feel empty. Your word today has filled my life, and I want you to be part of my life. So I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior today, believing that he died for me, but he rose for me. If you prayed that prayer, ladies and gentlemen, I just pray that you've been blessed to connect with a, a, a church around your area that will continue to provide you with spiritual nurture. If you're around our area in Gilbertsville, we invite you to come to New Hanover United Methodist Church. Now, you can't come for a little bit until we gather together in person, but just know that we can continue to be connected in many ways. We're praying for you. And before I head out today, I want to share with you a few words. Our wonderful staff continue to work behind the scenes to keep us connected and engaged to the best of our ability. Now, we won't be able to care for our church, family, or extend help to those who are in need unless we give regularly and generously at times like this. Now, we know that some of you may feel anxious about your financial situation. But if you're, and you're not able to give at this time, we understand we're praying for you. But there are others who are working. We also ask that you consider your giving as we reach out the love of God out in our community. You can connect with us on, through our website. We encourage you to connect with us through our, our church email or at info at newhandoverumc.org and follow us on social media to stay connected. Invite others, just like today, like you did. You invited others to worship online or share this link with others this week. We will be streaming again next week. Thank you so much for joining us online. Until we see each other again, May God's peace and abundant love be with each and every one of you. We are in this together. God bless and have a great week.